You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins, and with me is Mike Chappell. We have a great show on tap for you today. After a couple big wins against the Patriots and the Cardinals, the Colts just couldn't quite get it done against the Las Vegas Raiders. We're going to recap the game, discuss some takeaways, maybe some reasons why they weren't able to get that done, and then we're going to also check in on the Colts' playoff hopes with one week left to go. Uh, before we get into it, Mike, how you doing? Uh, it, it's sunny in Beach Grove. The sun came up today, and when you get to the playoff uh, outlook you know, a little bit later on, that's why in, in, for Colts fans is there's still sunshine in the playoff picture. That's right. You know, your team's still into it heading into the last week of the season. You can't be too down. There's a lot of teams who've been eliminated at this point, like Cleveland, who will be playing tonight. Uh, But two teams who aren't eliminated, the Colts and Raiders, played on Sunday. Colts 9-6 at home, hosting the 8-7 Las Vegas Raiders. Carson Wentz and Braden Smith were cleared of COVID protocols before the game, so they were able to suit up and play. Really, the Colts were primarily just missing left tackle Eric Fisher um, with knee and some other injuries. And then also Andrew Sandejo missed another game with that concussion. I got to wish the best for those two guys. Hopefully they could be uh, on the field for week 17, but we'll have to see. Um, Week 18, that is. I'm still getting used to this new game in the NFL season. Uh, Wait wait, wait, wait till they go to 18 games and then you'll, you'll really be screwed up. Yeah, my, my, I might short-circuit. My computer will have to reboot on that one. But um, week 17, Colts with the Raiders. Raiders start with the ball, and they just methodically march down the field. They went on a 12-play, 75-yard drive that took over seven minutes off the clock, and it ended with a Josh Jacobs touchdown run from two yards out, just like that at 7 to nothing Raiders. How would the Colts' offense respond? By going three and out. Thankfully... On the next drive, the Colts' defense makes a play. On third and three, Derek Carr goes deep for Deshaun Jackson. He's picked off by Isaiah Rodgers, who just made a great play on the ball. He's a little underthrown, and Isaiah Rodgers looked like he was the wide receiver out there. That's his third interception of the year for the second-year player. Uh, Colts take over at the 26-yard line, but after Jonathan Taylor picks up a first down off of a couple of runs, Carson Wentz throws three straight incompletions, and the Colts have to punt. And then Hunter Renfro returns that punt 41 yards, setting the Raiders up at Indy's 35-yard line. Mike, it just looked to me, you know, Frank Wright has done such a good job all year about getting this team ready to play. It just looked like the Colts came out flat in this one. Yeah, I I think what we saw, it's it's not an excuse, it's a reason. I think it's really hard to bring the juice every week for, you know, nearly three months. I think at some point you're, you're just going to be flat. You look around the league and just about every team's had a game where you think, what what was that? What went on there? And for whatever reason, in a game that meant so much, there was something mission, missing emotionally or mentally, whatever, however you want to do it. And it, we saw that in plays not made uh, by the Colts and plays made by the Raiders. Yeah, it almost felt like after huge primetime games against the Patriots, against the Cardinals, uh, they just didn't quite have as much in the tank for this game against a Raiders team, which on paper was not as good 
as those two previous teams. And, you know, one o'clock game, I know the prime time, those playing during the national stage can kind of amp some players up. Without those factors, it looked like the Colts just weren't quite as ready out there. And Frank Wright admitted as such after the game. Uh, so the Raiders start this drive at Indy's 35-yard line after the long punt return by Hunter Renfro. After gaining no yards, the Colts have lost Vegas in a third and 10, but Derek Carr found Zay Jones for 11. The Colts stopped the run and again have Las Vegas in third and long, but this time, Cordy Pay and Kamoko Ture get to Carr for the sack and hold the Raiders to a field goal, 10 to nothing, Las Vegas on top. Colts looking to turn it on. And Jonathan Taylor really starts to heat up on this next drive. Four straight Taylor runs, gains 49 yards. And then a Naheem Hines uh, play, it was kind of like a little pass play. He gets enough for a first down on second and seven, but a holding call on Matt Pryor brings it back. Indy could not recover from second and 17, and they would settle for a field goal. Michael Bagley gets the Colts on the board from 46 yards out, and we have a 10-3 ball game. Raiders still on top. Colts Steve forces a three and out as Rocky Sin breaks up a third down pass. Uh, one of multiple third down passes Rocky Sin broke up. He, he's really playing good football lately, and the Colts are going to need him. So Indianapolis takes over at their own 16. On third and one, third and nine, Carson Wentz finds Mo Ali Cox for 10 yards, but an illegal formation penalty on Braden Smith brings that back, and the Colts can't convert on third. And 14. Rigoberto Sanchez's 45-yard punt goes out of bounds at the 43, and the Raiders take over with good field position yet again. A 26-yard pass to Zay Jones immediately gets the Raiders into scoring territory. Then on third and 13, Hunter Renfro picks up 12 yards. That sets up a fourth and one, which Marcus Mariota comes into the game and converts. A couple plays later, Las Vegas has a third and one at the 10. But a false start penalty on Las Vegas backs them up. And then on third and six, Carr is sacked by Pay and DeForest Buckner. That would force a field goal. Raiders, uh, just under two minutes left in this game, have a third, not in this game, in this half, excuse me, have a 13-3 lead. Colts looking to close the lead before the half. A minute 47 left in one timeout. Indy goes on a methodic drive of their own. It's 10 plays. A 12-yard pass to Michael Pittman Jr. gets the Colts to the one-yard line. They call timeout with 15 seconds left. This amount of time left, you're, you know, uh, you got basically enough time for one running play, and if you don't get in, uh, the half is pretty much over since the Colts can't stop the clock. They'd have to get up there in a hurry to spike the ball. First down, Wentz rolls to the left. Nothing there. He throws it away. Nine seconds left. Second down. Wentz gives Ashton Doolin a shot in the back of the end zone. He makes a great effort, almost comes up with a spectacular catch, but at the end of the day, it falls incomplete. Four seconds left. Do you keep it, play it safe and kick the field goal? You know Frank Wright's not, not a fan of playing it safe. He's going to go for it here, and this time, they keep it on the ground. Jonathan Taylor punches it in with one second left on the clock. That's going to make it a 13-10 ball game. Colts pull within three. And then the Colts get the ball to start the second half. After a quick first down with Taylor, Colts are now forcing, facing a fourth and one at Las Vegas' 47. Wentz is able to convert on a quarterback sneak. The very next play, Carson Wentz rolls to his right, 
fires deep for Ashton Doolin. Two Raiders are there, and the ball is deflected up into the air and right into the hands of T.Y. Hilton, who's standing in the end zone. A spectacular 45-yard touchdown. Colts take the lead, 17-13. to Mike, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Yeah, T.Y., was. you talk about right place, right time. After the game, he mentioned that he thought about jumping with everybody else, but then he thought, no, I'll let these guys do it. And I thought from the replay that Doolin sort of had a, had a nice PBU. I mean, he he broke the the interception up, and Ty's there. I, of all the touchdowns he's had in his what is it ten year career, I don't know that he's had any easier than that one. Yeah, just kind of fell right into his hands there. Uh, great moment for Ty Hilton, and most likely his last uh, game in Indianapolis, at least as a Colt. Um, plenty of time to talk about that as we get into the offseason uh, because the Colts are still in the midst of a ball game. They just took the lead 17-13. to 13. Raiders with the ball now. They're approaching midfield. When Derek Carr's pass is picked off by Darius Leonard, the Maniac comes up with another turnover, setting the Colts up at the 49. And at this point in the game, Mike, I mean, the Colts just scored two straight touchdowns, one on either side, each side of the half. And then Darius Leonard comes up with the second interception of Carr on the day. I mean, uh, speaking for at least myself personally, I was feeling pretty good about the Colts at this point in the game. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't able to keep that mojo going. Yeah, we've seen a lot of games where it's a struggle, it's a struggle, and you're behind. And then a player or two sort of turns things around, and then you just kind of, okay, now we're going. That's kinda, I felt the same way. 17-13, and you've not played well at all. It took a fluky touchdown to get you there, but you're there. And the the defense did so much for three quarters. We'll get to the fourth quarter in a minute. It gave the offense a chance to get its act together. And and this was a perfect opportunity. And the next two possessions, they just couldn't get it done. They just didn't. They took over near midfield there. Uh, Indy f- picks up a first down with Jonathan Taylor, but then on third and six, Wentz is sacked for a loss of eight. That kind of knocked them back out of field goal range. Uh, They're forced to punt in this situation. Ashton Doolin did a great job on fielding that punt. It was kind of up in the air, and he just caught it. It didn't even have to ricochet off the turf or anything like that. Ashton Doolin, one of the best special teams players in the league. The Raiders are able to get themselves a little breathing room, however, uh, before their drive stalls off around midfield so they get themselves out of their own end zone where we saw just a week prior how terribly that can go for the Cardinals and Kyler Murray they get themselves some breathing room they give it back to the Colts and the Colts take over at the 20. Fourth quarter has begun and the Colts face a third and seven. Wentz has T.Y. Hilton wide open down the left side but overthrows him. The Play of the game. Play of the game. Play of the game. That changes the whole game. The ball's just out of T.Y.'s reach. I mean, I think he might have even gotten his fingertips on it. It was close. Uh, you look over at Carson Wentz, he looks sick to his stomach. Um, the Colts, you know, they have to punt for a fifth time, and they go three and out on this drive. And really, Mike, it, it looked like a blown coverage. T.Y. was wide open. Yeah, Wentz talked after the game. He said it was a blown coverage. They, they sort of passed T.Y. off, and nobody picked him up. And you just, in games, you have to make so many tough throws, tight windows and good coverage. And occasionally there's a breakdown and you simply can't 
miss plays like this. You, you just can't. Would T.Y. have scored? I don't know. I, I, I need to go back and look whether the a DB had an angle on him. He had to run a long way. And, again, at 17-13, that, that makes it a, what, a two-possession game, roughly. You really could have put the, the screws on, on the Raiders, but all you did was waste another opportunity. Waste an opportunity. I don't know if he would have scored either. There was a Raider kind of chasing him down from the inside. If, but if he makes that guy miss, I mean, he's gone. So, at, at very least, it would have picked up a chunk play on a third and seven. Uh, and yet the Colts have to punt. Raiders start the drive at their 38. Good field position again for the Raiders. Second down, Carr connects with Zay Jones for 42 yards, setting up Las Vegas at Indy's 19. The Colts defense stiffens up and brings the Raiders to a fourth and two. And Las Vegas decides to go for it. On fourth down, Carr buys some time and finds Hunter Renfro for an 11-yard touchdown. Raiders back on top in the fourth quarter, 20-17. to 17. There's 11 minutes and 18 seconds left in the game. Colts take over at their 25, and Indy would m- milk most of the remaining clock with a 14-play drive that took 9 minutes and 22 seconds uh, off the game clock there. But after 1st and 10 at Las Vegas' 26, the Colts' offense would sputter. One-yard gain for JT. Short pass to Hines gains nothing, and third and nine, Wentz dumps it off to Hines, who picks up only three yards. The Colts decide to settle for a field goal. Badley's good from 41 yards out, and we're all tied up at 20. 1.56 left. Las Vegas starts at their 25. Both teams have all three timeouts, and the Colts' defense needs just one more stop, preferably with enough time to get the ball back for their offense to go on a game-winning drive. Three quick passes has the Raiders already at the 48, but then two incompletions brings up third and 10 with 54 seconds left. The Colts bring a blitz, and Darius Leonard has Carr dead to right. I mean, right in front of him. But Leonard jumps into the air. Carr just kind of sidesteps him and finds Hunter Renfro down the field. The pass just gets by the fingertips of Kenny Moore. Uh, who kind of had a tough day out there trying to chase Renfro around. Renfro slides to the ground, gets back up, runs into the end zone. This gives the Raiders a touchdown with just 42 seconds left. But wait, the replay shows Moore had his fingertips on Renfro as he was going to the ground. The play is overturned, which might get actually hurt the Colts in this scenario because now Las Vegas had the ball at Indy's 24 with just 48 seconds left. And they're able to just run the clock out and kick a game-winning field goal as time expired. Yeah, it's rare when you when you want the guy to score, like that you want the replay to show that he wasn't down and he scored because that's the only chance you had because you knew they were just going to walk it down there. And, and the only question was how far was the field goal going to be? But that was another another case of an opportunity to make a play, whether it was Darius Leonard with a sack, whether it was Kenny Moore, to, you know, getting a hand on the ball, so. Again, there's always there's always six seven plays to be made. If you make enough, you win. If you if you don't, you lose. And this was a game where again I can point out and we've talked about four five six plays that needed to be made or stopped. Colts didn't do it. Colts didn't do it. And this you know I don't know if I'm looking for it because I know his ankle's injured. But this was another play where Darius just didn't look like he quite had the agility that he normally would to get Derek Carr on the ground. He kind of left his feet. I remember 
an earlier third down conversion where he wasn't able to handle the running back who kind of made a little move on him. I think it was Jalen Richard, and he picked up 15. I remember after the interception, he didn't really look like he was uh, all that nimble out there trying to return it. So I, I hate to make excuses for a guy, um, but, you know, he's playing so well out there. And y- you can tell that he's just not his normal agile self who's flying around, changing directions, making plays. Um, I, I get a lot of guys are playing banged up right now, but that's kind of the sense I get out of Leonard. Uh, Wright, Frank Wright said after the game, they outplayed us and outcoached us in all three phases. Really just a disappointing loss for this Colts team who had beaten better teams uh, just weeks prior and who had played so well. You thought they finally you know, had several players back from COVID. Um, they were able to avoid the scare with Carson Wentz missing the game because of the NFL's new COVID protocols, and yet none of it matters. They still end up losing, and they might be without Xavier Rhodes for a little bit of time. He left the game with a hamstring injury. He's already been fighting through a calf injury all season long. We'll have to get an update on Rhodes as the week goes along, but those hamstrings, Mike, they can be tricky, and this could last several weeks. Well, just as the, as the calf injury did, you know, because if if you don't wait and you, and you try to come back, you aggravate it. And you mentioned Darius Leonard. There's no way the ankle can be close to 100% because he plays on it every week. And this has been week after week after week with that with the bye to give him some help. So, yeah, or I, I guess last week as well when he's not practicing early. But th- this is this is the point of the season where you have to play at less than 100%. I, I guess the, the question is how much less. But the one silver lining on Xavier Rhodes is Isaiah Rogers is starting to play pretty doggone well. He really is. And Rocky Sins having his best season. And Kenny Moore, I think Kenny Moore had, had one of his – you know, less less efficient games, but that still gives them three quality corners. So uh, I I will be surprised if Rhodes plays this week, uh, with the idea that hopefully, surely you can beat Jacksonville without him, and then have him closer for the playoffs. But uh, by and large, health wise, this team's not too bad. Again, you got Eric Fisher, you, you talked about, and it's then Dale's missed a couple games of the concussion but really not too bad roster wise where this team is yeah hopefully they can get it together and uh, get that final win of the season against Jacksonville we'll get to that in just a little bit we got some takeaways to get through first and Mike I think the biggest takeaway of the game here is Carson Wentz just did not play well in the game where they really needed him to step up you need your quarterback to make some plays uh, in a game that really you win this game and you're in the playoffs. I mean, stakes are high in this game. One week ago, Carson Wentz was the hero, the quote-unquote hero against Arizona for the plays he made in the fourth quarter that won the game. This week, he was 16 of 27 for 148 yards and a fluky 45-yard touchdown to T.Y. I mean, that easily could have been picked off or just fall and complete, and then who knows what his stat line would look like. Uh, maybe a little more damning here is he was only three of nine for 16 yards on third down. The Colts seemed to find themselves in a lot of third and long situations and just weren't able to convert. Um, and of course, missing the wide open T.Y. Hilton really cost his team. After the game went said, uh, there were a lot of things that he wanted back. So Mike, what do you think about Carson Wentz's performance and how far can he take the Colts if he's playing like this? 
oh, like this, not very far. <laughs> you know, and, and if there was a bet, if there was a better opponent in in week eighteen, uh, I'd be worried they would even get in. But they they can't go very far with their quarterback playing like this. And I tell you, what's worrisome is he's been playing like this for about a month, six weeks. He had he had the great fourth quarter in Arizona to, to, to win the game and be the, you know, quote-unquote hero. But I was just looking here, you know, uh, 180 yards, 106 yards, 158, 57, and then what was it, 140-some this this game. But but more more concerning than the yardage, he, he's still not overly accurate. You know, as we've seen, you know, most of, in the league, it's like 65% should be the minimum. And he's he's around sixty two percent, but besides missing Ty, he he overthrows uh, Mo. I think on a sideline on a play, he was high to Zach Pascal, and you can say, well, if you get fingers on it, you should catch it. Well, that ball was pretty high, so he's just he's got he's got doesn't have to throw for three hundred yards and three touchdowns for this team to be a force in the playoffs, but he's got to make the plays when they're there, more than not. And we saw a couple more of those, you know, where, where the pressure got to him and he's doing those funky flips, trying to make something happen and, and nothing, you know, they didn't burn him this game, but against, you know, in playoffs, it, it will. He needs to play better. And, and they'll give us whatever the reasons. Both Frank and, and Wentz insisted, insisted that the COVID situation wasn't an issue, that the mispractice time, you know, they both said it wasn't an issue that you, you lean on the accumulated reps at this time of year. That's fine for, for a center, for Ryan Kelly. You know, great to see him back there with what he and his wife have gone through. It, it's different when you're a defensive end or a corner. When you're the quarterback, you need reps. You, you need reps with the offense. And when you don't get them, you see a difference. And talking with some of the media guys last night, remember last year, the last month, six weeks, Philip Rivers only practiced like once a once a week, and still was pretty effective. So, I, I I just look at the Wentz's game yesterday as okay. Yeah, he missed practice. Yeah, he had COVID, but I think he's been up and down the last half of the season. I think more than you want him to be. Uh, the the defense for the most part until the fourth quarter, which is like you know how'd you like to play, Mrs. Lincoln? Well, pretty good until the gunshot. The fourth quarter. Until the fourth quarter, the defense played winning football. The running game wasn't great, but it was good enough, and it would have been better had the passing game been better. So, and, and one thing we let's not forget that it's never a good thing when Sanchez Rigo Sanchez has two stops on special teams. Not a good thing. So, but having said all that, if Wentz makes three or four plays, the tenor of our of our podcast is totally different. I hate to put it on one guy, but it generally is one guy. In this game, if the quarterback makes a handful of plays, they win. It's that simple. Yeah, and, I mean, Colts fans have even seen Wentz play better earlier this year. There was a stretch where Carson Wentz had thrown multiple touchdown passes and no like interceptions. Like six games, six games in a row, I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, which was uh, up there among the best in the league. It was a really impressive stretch. And then, you know, it kind of went into, well— you know, the Buffalo game where Jonathan Taylor runs for five touchdowns. How are you going to put up decent numbers when your running back is doing this much? 
But there's been times when Jonathan Taylor hasn't been doing everything, and the Colts have really needed Carson Wentz to give them more than what he has. And like you said, he's just kind of missed throws. Even in the Cardinals game before the fourth quarter, he was missing throws and missing guys who were open, or at least open by NFL standards. And so uh, Carson Wentz, I know a lot of people, you know, the fan base took to Twitter and took their rage out on Carson Wentz, and, and it's just one game. He still has time. I mean, he's still in his first season with the team. He doesn't have the best group of pass catchers. But at the end of the day, when a guy is open, your job as a quarterback is to get him the ball in a place where he can catch it. And Wentz has failed to do that too many times the last few weeks. Let's see if he can turn it around here going forward. Takeaway number two, Colts D allowed 10 points in the fourth quarter. That is the ninth time this season the Colts have allowed 10 or more points in the fourth quarter. Indianapolis is 3-6 and six in those ball games. 144 fourth quarter points given up by the Colts accounts for over 42% of the total points Indianapolis has given up all year. So almost half of the points, 42% that the Colts have given up all year, have come in the fourth quarters. Mike, what do you think is contributing to this fourth quarter fall off? I, I wish I knew if I if I knew I would sell it to Chris Ballard and you and I wouldn't be having this discussion because I'd be up retired and all this stuff. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's a defense that that seems to make plays when it needs to on occasion, but this this what the stats that you point out shows that not nearly enough. Whether it was this game, whether it was Tennessee, whether it was Tampa, whether it was Baltimore, uh, I think this was a fourth time which mirrors what you're saying. It's the fourth time they've had a lead in the fourth quarter and lost. Uh, remember early in the year they were talking about not being able to finish? Well, that that's that's what this is. And the defense could have finished, but in this case it would have primarily been forcing overtime, I guess, unless you stop that, that one that touchdown drive. But I'll go back to the offense. I, for the most part, the defense did enough, did more than enough. Uh, but there was, you know, one thing that Frank is always keen on is it, it's a three-phase game to win and lose, and this was one where all three phases, except for Badgley, who who is making his kicks. Each each area uh, kind of put had, had their moment when they didn't play well, but no, the, the fourth quarter by the defense is is shocking. And again, if they, if they just make a play, if 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 Darius Leonard makes the sack, that game's probably over. So or it, going to overtime at least. Or going to, right. So so it it's 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 just unfortunate and some of it I think is a lack of top end playmakers. I mean, we're we're seeing more and more from Quiddy Pay that's that's encouraging. But I still think they need that uh that premier I didn't say premier, a top tier edge pass rusher. They really do. Uh and I don't know where you get that guy, but until they get that it's just tough to play defense when you don't have a consistent pass rush. No, I agree. If you know, if I had to point anywhere for a reason for these kind of fourth quarter fall offs, I would have to say it's a lack of a reliable pass rush. I mean, outside of Buckner, Quidipay is coming on. It was nice. He got to the quarterback twice in this game, both uh, counted as a half sack. So he's not going to have the two sacks, the two piece 
in his uh, stat sheet there. But outside of DeForest Buckner, who plays on the inside and is really an easier player to double team, the Colts don't have those. I mean, would Mathis call call him and Freeney the closers? They were the ones who would close the game in the fourth quarter when the other team was trying to make a drive and come back. Uh, And the Colts really don't have those players, at least not in 2021, or I guess it's 2022 now. I think Quiddy Pay has the potential to develop into that guy. Uh, but he's not currently that guy right now as a rookie. Even if he was, you kind of need another force as well. I mean, outside of Buckner, who has seven sacks, I think Komoko Ture is second with five and a half, and then Muhammad is third with five. So, I mean, those kind of numbers aren't going to scare any offensive line out there. So the Colts, uh, going forward, they're going to have to get a little more out of their pass rush if they hope to keep teams out of the end zone in the fourth quarter. Uh, my last takeaway here is just uh, there were some impressive milestones reached by the Colts in this game. Jonathan Taylor had 20 carries for another 100-yard game, 108 yards on the ground for him. Uh, it did break the Colts' streak of being undefeated when JT rushes for 100 yards, so that's now out the window. We can't we can't harp on that anymore, but it does give him a league-high 1,734 rushing yards on the season. And in this game, he passed Edron James, Hall of Famer, for the most uh, single-season rushing yards in Colts history. So congratulations to JT. It's pretty impressive for him to do that in just the second season. And at age 22, he's the youngest player in league history with at least 2,000 yards from scrimmage and 20 total touchdowns. I mean, the guy's just unbelievable. I'm I'm still amazed that this was only a second-round pick the Colts had to spin on this guy. You know, this is – I remember back in the days with Peyton Manning, he'd throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns, and you'd say, that's all you got? And and that's a hell of a game. We're getting to that area with, with, with JT to where 24-108, you're going to say, that's it? That's all, that's all you got? Well, you you do that for for a you know a seventeen game season, and, and you're where you're at. You're at seventeen eighteen hundred yards. So he, he he's at least this season. We're going the last half of last season. He's just setting a new standard for, for rushing for this team. And they had a great uh, video tribute from Edron as soon as JT broke the record. And you know, and and, and Edge pointed out how the 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 Colts are get are getting to be a you know, the, a factory of running backs with Falk and Dickerson and, you know, back to, to Lenny Moore and all that. And and if this kid stays healthy, uh, you, you just sort of wonder what he can do, which we were saying the same thing about Edge uh, in, in his second season. So uh, it, it's, it's still right now, and until Wentz can get more consistent, this team's going to kind of go with JT because m- remember they were doing nothing on offense until he got broke those three where really he had the one easy run, didn't the two big runs on, I think it was that third series or four series, whatever it was. So that's great, but that he cannot do it alone. You, you cannot win in this league. I don't care that they're, they're nine and one and all that. When you get down to, to, to December playoff football, you've got to have other guys do it. And here I go back. This isn't meant to be a podcast ripping Carson Wentz, but until he makes those five or six plays, Jonathan Taylor's only going to take this team so far. 
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, somebody who Carson Wentz might want to give a little more shots down the field, Michael Pittman Jr., he led the team in receiving on Sunday, caught all six of his targets for 47 yards. And with that yardage, he surpasses 1,000 on the season. He's just a 10th Colt to crack 1,000 receiving yards. He's the first to do so since T.Y. Hilton back in 2018. And the first Colt not named T.Y. Hilton to do so since 2012 when Reggie Wayne was still doing his thing out there. So it's been a while since the Colts have kind of found another uh, receiver who can put up a 1,000 yards, who can get you 100-yard receiving games when you need it. It looks like the Colts finally have uh, the heir apparent to T.Y. Hilton here in Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah, and I, we're always looking to come up with things in the media, you know, stats, this, that, and other. Your fourth quarter stuff is great. So I'll steal something from Joel Erickson at the Star. Barring a, a really a, a an unforeseen game in Jacksonville, this will be the first time since 1988 that the Colts haven't had two receivers, two pass catchers, with at least 500 yards. You've got Pittman with, what, 1,018, and then you've got uh, Zach Pascal with 377. Now, Frank likes to spread it around, but that ain't good enough. It's not good enough. And kind of lost in things because of T.Y.'s fluky 45-yard touchdown. Remember his other catch in the game? None. That was it. So it, it's this has been a... a, a a recurring, as much as we talked about pass or uh, the edge pass rusher, that number two receiver has been glaring all season long. I put something out on Twitter that the two main off-season priorities are receiver and edge pass rusher, and you can flip them however you want to, and you can put you can put left tackle in there. You you can. So there's three that are, that are really overriding, but they have simply got to find got to find a second receiver. You you can't have. JT or Hines, you know, be be that guy or get two big catches from Ashton Doodlin in back-to-back games. You need a guy that, doggone it, he's going to get you 70 catches because he just is. Now, whether that's in the draft, you, you, you can't do everything in the draft, but I, I really think high in the draft, you get either a rusher, which I don't – I wouldn't do a pass rusher in the draft, maybe a receiver. And free agency, you've got they've got to go outside their norm and invest in either a pass rusher or a receiver uh, because this group of receivers is not good enough. Yeah, I agree. I, I would actually put receiver as kind of the top priority going into the offseason. Tight end. Tight end. I mean, and, and, you, can loop, end, and yeah. you can loop tight end in that group. Yeah, and the reason, part, part of my reasoning being just because at least the Colts have young pass rushers they've invested in recently. You know, maybe Quiddy Pay and – uh, uh, Odangbo give you what you're looking for in year two. Uh, who, who's going to be the guy who steps up going into next year? It's not like there's a young, uh, I'm done <laughs> waiting on Paris Campbell to break out. I think that ship has kind of sailed. Hopefully he surprises us, but I think going into year four, you can't necessarily count on that. So, you know, we have plenty of time to talk about that during the off season, and I'm sure we will. But uh, having a secondary receiver outside of Pittman Jr. is definitely a need for the Colts. Let's zoom out here and look at the AFC South and the AFC playoff picture as a whole. The Titans have locked down the division. They're 11-1. They just stomped the Dolphins 34-3. to 
I think the Dolphins had just won seven or eight in a row, and the Titans said enough of that. Tennessee now has the number one overall seed in the AFC after the Chiefs lost a thrilling game in Cincinnati. Uh, looking at the Texans, they fall to 4-12 and after losing to a Trey Lance-led 49ers team. And the Jaguars keep a hold of the first overall pick after a 50-10 blowout in New England. Looking at this playoff seat, uh, this AFC playoff picture, uh, Tennessee I already mentioned number one, number two Kansas City. Both of those teams are eleven and five, so this final week will probably determine who keeps that top seed there. Uh, number three, the Bengals have officially won the AFC North. Congratulations to the Bengals after uh, they beat the Chiefs on Sunday, and then that fourth divisional. Spot goes to Buffalo right now. They're ten and six, but New England's right on their tail. They're also ten and six, and they have that first wild card position uh, with the fifth seed in the AFC. Then is the Colts with a nine and seven record. They're six, and then the Chargers sit uh, in that seventh and final playoff spot with a nine and seven record as well. They play the Raiders um, this coming Sunday. I believe that game's been flexed to the nighttime game, so that'll be. For all the marbles right there, Ra- Raiders and uh, Chargers. A couple teams still in the bubble. Baltimore's 8-8. Eight eight. They just lost to the Rams. And then Pittsburgh, 7-7-1. Seven, seven they play Monday night against the Cleveland Browns, who have already been eliminated. Uh, Mike, there's a lot going on in this playoff picture. I, First of all, can you explain to me why the Raiders, with the same record as the Colts and winning head-to-head, aren't in the playoffs over the Colts? No, I haven't looked at it that deep because I've just been blocked in on the, the one and in. But no, no unless it's a conference record, uh, it, with, 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 if there's a three-way tie, which there is with Las Vegas, the Chargers, and, and, and the Colts at 9-7, and seven, I think that's what it would be. But, I, but I'd not looked at it that deep. I, I, I plead ignorance, and I apologize for that. No, but you're fine. It, but as it stands right now, the Colts would go to Cincy, right? Six plays three, two plays seven. And as it stands right now, it's it's New England at Buffalo in the first round of the playoffs. So yeah, uh, that that's why again it's it's which I wrote about today. As bad as they played and as flat as they were, so many times that costs you. You just can't come back from it, and. You don't need three things to happen. You don't need five things to happen. You need one thing to happen Sunday. Beat a team that has lost, what is it, eight in a row? I went back and looked at it. Jacksonville's lost eight in a row, which started with that Colt game uh, that, that they needed. Remember, they, they needed the strip sack of Lawrence in the last, you know, late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, barely beat him. Since the Colt game, after the Colt game, the last set, the, the last seven games for Jacksonville, they've been outscored two fourteen to seventy eight. So you know, if they if they go down there and lay another egg, shame on them. I mean, I, we, we can talk about you know, can wins take them deep in the playoffs? It, if you can't beat a two and fourteen team, although keep in mind, Jacksonville beat them down there last year and didn't didn't win another game. So, uh, but but again. I really think they come back. I think I, I don't want to say with a vengeance. I, I I do think 
they 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 bounce back because failing that, I just it's going to be such a, a, a tumultuous off season on, on what you do. Your your you know, Wentz is your quarterback next year. He is because the contract says he is, and everything else says he is. But again, so many things need to happen with the roster. But and that's that we'll get into that in the off season. But find a way to bounce back. You know. And, and and get the job done, and then you worry about where you play. But because it's all right now, outside of Kansas City, Cincinnati's looking pretty good right now. But it's still a wide open AFC, so just get in and see what you can do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I'd almost rather the Colts play that number one Tennessee team if they didn't have the bye. Uh, go to Tennessee. I think the Colts could get it done in round three. But yeah, the the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. But none of that matters this year. This is a new team, two completely different teams that have played um, over the past several years. And, I mean, like you said, if the Colts can't beat a 2-14 and 14 Jacksonville team to make it or into the playoffs or not, they don't deserve to be a playoff team. So um, we'll, we'll <laughs> leave it all happy and cheery with that here on the Colts Blues Home Podcast. And we will be back on Thursday to preview this game against Jacksonville, maybe break down some of the reasons why this Colts team has struggled with the Jacksonville team that most of the league hasn't struggled with. But for whatever reason, they seem to give the Colts some problems year after year. So we'll be back. Uh, Dave Griffiths will join us on Thursday to preview this all-important Week 18 matchup with the Colts heading down to Jacksonville. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Joe Hopkins. You can follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. Follow Mike on Twitter at mchapel 51 And, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. We'll, we'll give you news, notes, entertainment, everything that has to do with the Colts. We'll be uh, giving that to you all throughout the week. And uh, please, please subscribe and download for us. That really helps us out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday, Colts fans. Mm-hmm.